Hello guys, gals, and non-binary pals. This is Modestly Metaphysical, a podcast where I talk about trending topics in the spiritual community and give tips on where to get started in your journey. I'm Kara, and I will be your host. I've been trying to think of some more gender-inclusive greetings, and I looked it up and I saw people use, like, children of earth or ladies and gentle thems (laughs) both are cute but anyways i'm back in business after a short detour um this episode is longer than my other ones i have 20 plus pages of notes and um it's just a very um excuse me how rude a very um detailed topic and there's a lot of moving parts to astral projection and this is technically a part two and if you haven't listened to my lucid dreaming sleep paralysis and my um, dream interpretation episodes those will be very helpful in getting you to astral projection they're kind of stepping stones some people can do it without um, those steps but some people cannot so just be aware if you've tried astral projection in the past and you haven't worked on dream retention, um, understanding your dreams, or even just lucid dreaming, then you may want to listen to those episodes and get some information from those. But um, yeah, this is later than expected because I had gotten stuck in Las Vegas for a week, but it gave me some time to get this podcast outlined, get some resources and just make it a beautiful one. So this is, like I said, this is technically part two to the episode before this one that covered lucid dreaming, but it's really its own beast at this point. So I'll just cover any anything and everything that I could find about astral projection, um, just like what it is, the history behind it, um, how to do it. I'm going to share some techniques and just like things you shouldn't be afraid of, things that you need to know, just all of the stuff that I can find that will be helpful for anyone that is interested in it. Um, And if there's any more questions as usual, I would be happy to do a bonus episode or something. Being that this is something I have not personally experienced, I tried to cover all my bases with some info that may be um, helpful. And some of you may have different experiences than what I have listed and feel free to share. I always love to hear other people's experiences with this as well. It's always been something that I'm really intrigued by. And like I said in the last episode, I have to stop smoking weed in order for me to do any sort of dream work. It's just really difficult for me to even remember what the fuck's going on if I don't stop smoking. Um, So I haven't personally experienced this. This This is just information that I have found and I'll share with you just like what I've collected over the years as well or things that I have heard or trying to relate it to things um, that I have experienced or whatever. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm going to start with answering some basic questions. First and foremost, what is astral projection? So the basic definition refers to, like the astral refers to your soul, spirit, consciousness, whatever you may call it leaving your body. So astral travel refers to your soul moving around outside of your body in that what we call the astral plane. And a little bit later, I'll explain the seven planes of existence and you'll kind of be able to tell um, 
or just better understand what that means. And the the main question that I come across is, is there a difference between out-of-body experiences, which I'll call OBEs from now on, and astral projection? And functionally, no. They both refer to the soul leaving the body, but in practical terms, um, OBEs are more so like spontaneous and people may not have the intent of leaving their bodies. And then astral projection is more of like people who consciously and with intent decide to leave their bodies. So um, that's kind of like what I've seen them define the differences as. And another thing is, do we astral project in our sleeps? There's a lot of discussion and opinions on this particular topic. And some spiritual teachers will tell you that every night you go to the astral realm um, and you wake with no memory of it. And some people believe that dreams come from the astral realm and you go there every night to have them. And I saw other people that don't believe that at all, that when you leave your body, you will remember it. You can't help but remember it because your entire consciousness leaves your body. Um, if you don't remember the, remember the experience, then you didn't leave. Didn't leave your body, at least. The um, astral projection is a 100% conscious experience. When you dream, you may not remember what you dreamed because uh, you were unconscious at the time. But when you astral project, you will remember it. You'll feel more conscious than you do right now. It's a ridiculously high awareness experience that feels more real to you than being in your body, possibly, for some people. You know, I can't say for sure. This is just what I have collected. So you may not astral project every time in your sleep. Your astral body might become active, but you probably don't leave your body. Um, a good analogy that they use was the peanut analogy. It's like shaking the shell and hearing the peanut rattling around, but rattling the shell doesn't mean the peanut has escaped the shell. It just means the peanut is separate from the shell, but still contained within it. So that's kind of the school of thought surrounding that. And just more on astral projection in general is that it's pretty much just a phenomenon that has rapidly gained popularity over the last few decades. It's a process by which the human consciousness temporarily leaves the physical body and functions independently while the physical body remains still and passive. Really similar to Insidious, uh, the movie. So if you've seen that movie, it's kind of like the boy, he is separated from his, like, his spirit is separated from his physical body, his flesh body, and he's like stuck in that realm. People may have experienced that. I can't speak for whether or not they have, but that is just kind of like a fear-based mindset. And honestly, it doesn't surprise me if they made that movie to make people afraid to astral travel because the um, government, I will talk about, um, the CIA knows all about astral projection. They release a, un a declassified document, I think that's the term, about the gateway process, which is technically astral travel. And I included a little bit of that in the history section of this episode, so I'll get into that. But I wouldn't be surprised if they released that movie just to steer people away from wanting to astral project. Uh, but that's what I would relate it to. Same concept, except for that one's a little bit demony. <laughs> so, 
this experience results in being able to observe the world from a point of view other than that of the physical body and by means other than just the physical senses. However, you can have a complete waking consciousness during the experience and remember the event in every detail upon returning to the physical body. So if you're prone to dissociation, this may not be something you want to try. It may make you very unsure of what's real and what's not. Just be aware of that. And um, there's a good chance that even if you have never had a conscious out-of-body experience, someone you know may have. So if you have any questions, definitely, you know, ask around. Someone, a lot of people may accidentally lucid dream or something, which is really similar, but um, I'm pretty sure this is just like a step up from lucid dreaming. So it is a very common experience, but it's still kind of taboo. So it might sound crazy, but it isn't. We all can experience astral projection and um, some of those who have experienced this will talk about how transformative it is and um, just freeing that it can be. So it is a very positive experience, although some people may not have a positive experience from it. Um, I, with everything that I have kind of collected is that it is kind of what you have to face within yourself is how scary it's going to be. So for some of us, that may be very terrifying. Some people may have already confronted those type of things, so it's not going to be as frightening. I, like I said, I'm going to, con- uh, oh my gosh, my brain just went f- for a second. But I'm going to refer to out-of-body experiences as OBEs because it's a lot easier and the two kind of are going to be interchanged because some of the sources that I have use them interchangeably. So if I mention astral projection or OBE, I'm referring to the same phenomenon. Uh, So I'm just going to use them interchangeably. Interchangeably. (laughs) So with that, I'm going to cover now just the history, uh, the historical perspective of astral projection and just where it has been found and evidenced throughout human history, across cultures, socioeconomic, uh, languages, genders, religions, nationalities, civilizations. So this has been recorded from the most ancient tribal societies to modern civilized societies. Civilized in quotes because I have a whole theory on that. But, um, so like 21st century is what would be civilized, but I think that tribal societies are also civilized. So let's not get onto that detour. <laughs> but human beings have recorded the departure and subsequent return of a subtle body from that physical body. All of these recordings have a remarkably high degree of consistency in describing the many different aspects of the phenomenon, thus giving us an idea of the universal character of this capacity for leaving the body. Early evidence of OBEs appeared in ancient Egypt between 3,000 and 5,000 years ago. The Egyptian priests were aware of the existence of the astral body, just like they were aware of a lot of things, um, even like the brain, you know, organs, all of that good stuff. And they called the astral body the Ka. K-A, Ka. They left inscriptions and drawings on 
you know, the walls of many temples and buildings depicting the human soul abandoning the physical body. Obviously, there's no way for us to know for certain exactly what they were trying to depict, but um, either way, they're showing some sort of body being separated from the physical body. And the Tibetans believed in the bardo body, which could leave the physical body while still alive and could also pass through physical matter because it was made of a psychic material. According to them, this bardo body could be directed by will or intention. I think that's kind of what Nirvana may be. Um, That might be a step down from Nirvana, but same concept. And ancient Greeks believed in a double body, which housed the soul. References to the OBE later appeared in Greece through the writings of a number of philosophers, including Plato, Herodotus, Herodotus, you know, these Greek names really fuck me up. And then Hermodemus, Hermodemus of Clazomene. You know, I always say their names in a way that I think they would be said and it's completely opposite. But, um, yes, anyways, you guys will get my gist. Catch my drift, you know. And there were also cases of conscious projections documented in the Bible. For example, in Ezekiel, um, I don't know how to fucking read Bible verses, I can't tell if it's 314 or 101 or 1114. I'm not sure how they're doing it, if they're doing it in Roman numerals or not. But And then also the Apocalypse of John 110 through 11 and 42. And the Epistles of Paul of Tarsus um, and 2 Corinthians 12 2. I think that's, you know, I'm terribly not up to date on my bibling so i apologize if i offended anyone but you get the idea during the middle ages obe was studied and practiced secretly information gathered was not made available to the general population this need for secrecy contributed to the fabrication of various myths and dangers of the astral travel travel that even persist today The phenomenon of the out-of-body experience, therefore, is ancient and also universal. We can see the different persons throughout history that had experienced this, independent of culture, education, financial situation, religion, sex, or age. From this historical perspective and from studies um, and personal experience of thousands of people, the most solid conclusion that can be drawn is that human beings are more than just their physical bodies. When one experiences a conscious OBE, it has irrefutable evidence that the physical body is merely a temporary house through which one's consciousness or awareness manifests in the physical dimension. And then now I'm going to cover what the CIA had released in 1983. So back in 1983, the CIA wrote a weird, obscure report looking into something that they called the Gateway Experience claiming that an altered state of human consciousness may be able to transcend space and time. Decades on, the document has since been declassified and is now experiencing a resurgence on social media. You may have seen it on TikTok um, when, like, the pandemic first happened. So, like, 2019, right? No, 2020. 
yeah, it's 2020. So like that time period between March and December. However, despite what you may have seen on TikTok and TikTok and YouTube, the document doesn't provide proof of the law of attraction, nor does it reveal the benefits of sending good vibes out into the universe or whatever. There is a 29-page document titled Analysis and Assessment of the Gateway Process. I have it in my files. If you guys need it, message me on Instagram. I can email it to you or whatever. But it was declassified in 2003. It's thought the report was part of the CIA's wider investigation into concepts of mind control and hypnosis, which kind of plays into like MK Ultra. So that's also a very interesting topic. But hypnosis was, you know, being played with and it was kind of just to aid their efforts in the Cold War. So it's an intensely wordy document that touches on everything from neuroscience to quantum mechanics, uh, wavering between hard science and pseudoscience which pseudoscience is like metaphysical shit and, you know, kind of just boils down to the CIA investigating the idea of inducing a profound OBE that could possibly turn into some kind of higher realm beyond reality. And the report actually has a quote that says, fundamentally, oh, quote, fundamentally, the gateway experience is a training system designed to bring enhanced strength, focus, and coherence to the amplitude and frequency of brainwave output between the right and left hemispheres so as to alter consciousness, moving it outside the physical sphere so as to ultimately escape even the restrictions of time and space, end quote. Interesting. The technique, the, the technique called the gateway process is based on ideas developed by the Monroe Institute, a nonprofit organization focused on the exploration of human consciousness, the theory is that certain exercises can allow the brain to hemisync, whereby the brain waves in the right and left hemispheres synchronize at the same frequency and amplitude. You know, it can be achieved through a series of meditation-like exercises while listening to, like, sound waves that they call the gateway tapes. So, like, frequencies, probably. I don't know. I haven't tried it. But I do have the report. And as per the report, the universe is a complex system of interacting energy fields in which states are simply variations in energy. Human consciousness is no different. It's just a vibrational pattern of energy. And once hemisync is achieved, or hemisync, I don't know, the report says it can trigger an altered state of consciousness in which the vibration of a person's consciousness is free from physical reality and tunes into a pure energy field. So drawing on ideas of quantum entanglement, which is one of my favorite topics, the report claims it may be possible for human consciousness to profoundly alter holographic projection or theorized as holographic projection, the part encodes the whole. In this understanding of reality, everything is deeply connected in a matrix of interconnected energy vibrations from your consciousness to the depths of the universe. And it quotes... This consciousness participates in the all-knowing infinite continuum of consciousness, which is a characteristic of energy in the ever-present, end quote. Cool. Then it continues, quote, Consequence, consequentially, con, con, consequentially, you know, fuck it. It is accurate to observe that when a person experiences the out-of-body state, 
They are, in fact, projecting that eternal spark of consciousness and memory which constitutes the ultimate source of his identity to let it play in and learn from dimensions both inside and outside the time-space world in which his physical component currently enjoys a short period of reality, end quote. Extremely wordy. Very interesting, but extremely wordy. So some readers of the report have dug into this idea deeper and taken it as proof of the law of attraction, the philosophy that positive thoughts bring positive results in a person's life. You know, I made a whole episode about it. Go listen to it. But, so what can we make of all that? No doubt the document makes for an interesting read, but it shouldn't be treated as scientific, despite the scientific language. You can probably find some newbies to writing that will make you a lot better report to understand. Um, And probably someone on YouTube probably has a better explanation of the document than the document explains itself. So, don't let us stop you to your journey of the realm beyond this reality, but definitely don't, you know, the gateway process document itself is very wordy and very difficult to understand. It's like too many, like, I don't know. If you ever heard like those medieval announcements of like the witch trials, they always say things in like a way where they could actually make it like one sentence and they make it 20. It's the same thing. So that's kind of the history of astral projection and just, you know, documented historical data about other people experiencing out-of-body experiences and all of that. So one thing that is commonly asked about astral projection is if it's safe. And this is obviously something that's asked very frequently because it can be very safe, but it can also be very unsafe. It's asking, that's like asking if skydiving is face it is face <laughs> is safe um yes i know you know um with the right awareness in education and equipment astral projection is extremely safe and extremely rewarding but with no training with the wrong mental state or interacting with the wrong entities astral projection can become something that is almost a nightmare and can leave you worn down it can damage your mind Um, It can deplete you of vital physical energy and it can cause psychological damage. So do not take this as like everyone should try it because some people are not ready to, some people are not equipped to, and sometimes people have encounters that leave them with low physical energy or they can develop anxiety, hallucinations, psychotic tendencies, and even thoughts of suicide. So um, be very careful. Some people can also attract low vibrational entities that can attach themselves to you and drain mental, physical, and psychic energy. So I think that protecting yourself psychically is very important. Um, And if you don't know about psychic protection, please listen to some podcasts, read up on it. It's going to be very important to set your intention before you head in and know exactly what you're going to come face to face with. So be careful. And it's always said not to interact with other entities in that realm or be very, very careful and cautious when you do. So just know that there are other things out there and they will come for you (laughs) in like the least scary way possible. But be prepared. I don't want to give you a false sense of like, oh, you'll be fine. Everything will be fine. Um, Be very careful. But can you die? I don't know. (laughs) So I don't think anyone is going to know. 
And if they did, they wouldn't be able to come back to tell us. So I think that it's very possible that you could die, but I think the probability is probably very low or you have to somehow um, be, you know, susceptible to that already. As I mentioned before, before we continue further, I think it would help if we understood the concept of the seven planes of existence. So the spirit realms consist of levels or planes distinguishable by different densities and vibrations or frequencies of the substances that they contain. Higher the frequency of vibrations, higher the plane. These planes are said to interpenetrate um, or like existing in the same space. It's most commonly believed by metaphysicists and occultists that there are seven planes of existence, so I will explain these seven planes. So the first plane is the physical plane. This is the plane that we're all familiar with. It has physical matter ranging from gases and minerals to all plant and animal bodies, and that obviously includes the human body. The second plane is the astral plane, also known as the emotional plane. With this plane is all dreams, hopes, desires, and there are a variety of mythological creatures that dwell within this realm. The aspect of time and space are greatly distorted in this plane, and that means an hour that has passed in this realm could only be a few minutes on the physical plane. The third plane is the mental plane, and in this realm, all thoughts and ideas are manifested into actual object objects. However, this does not only mean that you can travel through your own thoughts, but also that of someone else. Time is also greatly distorted, even more so than the astral plane. The fourth plane is the buddhic. This plane is full of love and peace due to its enhanced feeling of love and peace. Any human who is able to reach this plane would most likely not wish to return. The fifth plane is the spiritual plane. Individuality of a person is non-existent on this plane. This plane is highly spiritual and not much has been documented as it is highly unlikely that most people will ever be able to reach it in their lifetime. The sixth plane is the, the monadic. On this plane, everything is a great part of everything. It is here that great paradoxes are tied together. And the seventh plane is the final plane and this is called Adi, Adi, ADI. This realm is beyond explanation. It is the highest realm possible to reach. It's the realm of everything and the aspect of complete oneness, like nirvana. So that was a very, very brief touch-up of the seven planes. Um, for each of these planes, there is a corresponding body. So the physical body, the astral body, mental body, etc. And we, when we talk about astral projection, we're talking about projecting our astral body into the astral plane. Okay. Moving forward, what are some of the benefits of astral projection? Like, why would someone want to do this? First-hand experience, number one. Out-of-body exploration offers us, just like I mentioned in the last podcast, an opportunity to experience and explore beyond the limits of our physical senses and obtain first-hand knowledge of our existence. So that's very fulfilling. Two is recalling past lives. We learn more about ourselves by understanding our past lives. I personally under I personally believe past lives or past existences. And as we begin to have more and more projections, we begin to have spontaneous, healthy recollections of our past lives. Past lives influences our 
more like a very important element of our current physiological makeup, these subconscious memories can be effectively accessed and explored through personal out-of-body experiences. I had the great opportunity to be able to be on a panel of a group meditation taking this woman through a um, kind of like a past life hypnosis, I would say, or like just like a past life regression. And we all were sitting in meditation together, you know, kind of enhancing the vibration of it. And we got to walk this woman back through some trauma. And it was very interesting because um, we all kind of saw the same thing and we were supposed to like, in the, this is like in the realm, obviously. So we're all meditating and we helped this woman by encircling around her and like holding our hands together and like wishing healing upon her. And we saw like this terrible thing that happened to her in the past and she was able to, you know, um, just kind of accept what had happened. And we all kind of could see what was going on. It was very interesting. And it's really hard to explain without someone having to be there. But anyways, past life regression can be very healing. And that's kind of what I was getting at there. It can also help you to identify a reason for your existence. And you may even recall the plan of action for this life. Or I know some of you may have heard about the concept of like um, life contracts or soul contracts. And it may kind of remind you of that and just things that you have agreed upon prior to being born. And this can help us reprioritize our lives. This information can help us know ourselves better, overcome certain traumas, self-cure certain illnesses, expand our sense of fraternity and universalism. The feeling of being one with the universe can be just, you know, amplified. And this can help us progress spiritually with the knowledge of life gained through the study of the astral dimensions. We expand self-awareness, increase our levels of maturity, and also accelerate our spiritual evolution. Something else that can obviously occur is meeting some spirit guides or just guides in general and also called like non-physical helpers. They are known by many names, guides, mentors, guardian angels, protectors, or helpers. They are the enlightened beings that live in the astral dimension but accompany us with the goal of helping us. So this is where like our angel numbers, our synchronicities, and all that good stuff come from, these little helpers. And in general, the great majority of people today are not able to perceive the presence of these beings, but during astral projection, you can see them and even hold a discussion with them. Um, I have been blessed to be able to eat, be able to meet two of my personal guides. I did so in a um, daylight projection, um, a guided meditation, and it was very beautiful. If someone would want for me to expand on my experience with my spirit guides and how I met them, I would love to do an episode about that. Just let me know. Um, I do have two guides that I'm aware of at this time, and both experiences were like, had me in shock. Like, I was shook. I was shook, honey. But that is something that you can also do in the astral realm. And those are just a few of the benefits of astral projection. There are plenty of things, you know, just increased spiritual awareness, increased um, just, you know, reverie for life are obviously some of the beautiful things and just an increased understanding of life beyond physicality. You know, I think that's a beautiful thing in itself. There are, moving from that, 
we're going to get into kind of like how to prepare yourself for the actual astral projection. There are some things that you might have to do before, before you can get the full benefit or the full experience of astral travel. First and foremost is overcoming fear. One of the main impediments of people learning to astral project is fear. If you're afraid of the astral world, rest assured, you are not alone. Fear of the unknown is a natural emotion that has to be understood and overcome. So when you cross this hurdle, you will be able to kind of um, delve into this realm. And my uh, episode about dream interpretation can be super helpful with kind of understanding what some of your underlying subconscious fears may be. And um, your fear can come from many different things. It can come from the thought of separation from the physical body. Um, They feel like something evil is waiting for them or just like a heinous spirit trying to stop them from projecting. And they might feel like they can't return to their bodies while many people are afraid they might die or be harmed in some way. Others uh, might feel their bodies will be possessed. And these things are not true, rest assured that uh, the fear is, you know, (laughs) they use this little acronym that F-E-A-R is false evidence appearing real. And so these fears are just in our mind and we can be very, you know, we can be, not be, we can get our minds to come over this hurdle. And most people who fear the most are ones who do not fully understand the nature of -of out-of-body experiences and their fear can only be replaced by knowledge and understanding. So read everything you can about -about out-of-body experiences and become familiar with the aspects of them and you should know what to expect during and after the exit of the body. Another fear that can creep in is the fear of harm and the only thing to remember is that nothing can harm us while we're out of our body if we um, are prepared. So on the astral plane, we are the creators of our own reality. We can create whatever we want. We can create good. We can create bad. If we're convinced that there's a devil out there and if we've already pictured in our minds what this devil looks like, we should not be surprised to meet this creation that we have made. The devils we create become real and solid in the next dimension because we created them. And that is the realm of dreams, um, you know, and thoughts and ideas. So if we ever bump into an unwanted devil, it must be faced with courage, just like an exam that must be passed before we can project freely. Once we face our fears, we'll find that those fears are only hollow threats that will crumple into nothing. The astral plane is a manifestation of our own inner fears, just like the dream realm. So if we have no fear, we won't meet fear. Simple as that. Um, Another fear is the fear of not being able to return to the body. And if there is a fear of not returning to the body, think about this. We always leave our body. And, you know consciously when we sleep some people believe that we leave our body and all these years we have still returned so we would be able to return this time as well we will get back into the body every time believe it or not the problem with projection is always staying out never getting in so we have to do everything in our power not to come back um sometimes other stronger entities that i have seen is that they send people back, they see something, 
they thought maybe they weren't supposed to see and like it's simple that they just like wake up and something that's very effective to overcome any kind of fear is to immediately begin repeating a safety affirmation such as i am protected and safe or no one can come to me um my favorite is just i'm protected and i am protected and safe nothing can harm me any brief positive statement will be effective in an i am statement and as we repeat the affirmation our fears will diminish and eventually disappear um some other ones that you can try are i am the creator of my own fears and if i don't create fear there is nothing to fear stuff like that to kind of avoid being afraid some things that you can do or something that you can do is to project during the day and a lot of the fear stems from trying to project at night and obviously at night the world is dark and eerie and the fear of dark is a primitive natural fear and that's also stems from the fear of the unknown which can come from just like fears from you know shit from childhood so astral realms may be bright and clear but projectors have to get past the perceptions that they have about darkness and associating it with darkness okay to get into preparing yourself for an out-of-body experience astral projection does not depend on age social caste or your social or religious background anyone can practice this art and master it but just like any other skill it requires discipline desire and work and how much you will succeed and how fast you can experience this reality depends on what is your level of commitment and how much you're willing to practice so here are some general considerations for the kind of conditions that are best for projection um there are going to be eight of them so i'll list them just you know one through eight one before you practice make sure you go to the bathroom empty your bladder um you don't want to get distracted during your projection two a quiet room where you can be undisturbed and ideally free from distracting background noise unplugging the phone switching off your mobile phone um if there are people in the house, ask them not to disturb you until you come out. Number three, wear something comfortable so that you can breathe freely. Um, so women, maybe take off bras. Um, also watches, jewelry. These can carry energy and also might just make you uncomfortable. And removing them would help you concentrate more. Four, avoid fried food, meat, or any kind of alcohol at least three hours before the practice. I know that doing things spiritually fasted helped me achieve a higher state of consciousness a lot faster. So if you can stay without those types of food for even the entire day, that would be great. Um, or do it in the morning when you're fasted could be also very beneficial. These things tend to hyperactivate your digestive system and this can keep you from reaching that um, frequency. So avoid practicing with a full stomach as this can greatly diminish your chances. Five, uh, comfortable temperature. I know the best temperature is between 65 to 69 degrees, and you lose body heat during the projection, so also maybe cover yourself with a blanket. Six, try not to project in complete darkness because you may have an unconscious fear of the dark, and this may hamper your progress, so it's better if the light is maybe on, soft and dim, maybe candlelight, 
And once you're experienced, the more familiar you are with the astral world, you may very well project even in the dark. Seven, practice in any position that you want. You may sit in a comfortable chair or lie down. Whatever you choose, you should be comfortable with. Most people prefer laying down because it's very natural and it makes them feel relaxed. And um, some exercises, you may be sitting as well. I personally think that I project better will project into, you know, a higher state of consciousness better if I'm just seated because I'm less likely to fall asleep. <laughs> and um, number eight, last one is deal with all the worries that occupy, occupy you at the moment. Um, if you can't solve them, put them aside. Maybe like pretend to put them in an imaginary box. And if they worry you too much and you can't stop thinking about them, then you might just stop right there because you won't relax. You can try on another day or just work on your meditation practice and kind of get rid of those kind of things so you don't have to worry about them anymore. Um, all of those things are not strictly necessary for projection, but they are the optimum conditions that are conducive to proper separations from the astral body and the physical body. So now I will get into the different steps of actual projection so if you're looking to try or looking to just like know how to try um it's not as difficult as people think and it's just simply a matter of preparing the mind and the physical body for the exit and in order to achieve this you may need to have your mind awake and your body asleep and this sounds really hard but it's not after practice it's really easy and so a lot of people, after they practice, can do it in like five to ten minutes. So in order to reach this state, you need to relax your body completely and clear your mind of unwanted thoughts. And once your mind is awake and your body is asleep, you need then to employ an exit technique that will project you out of your body. That brings us to the three basic steps for achieving an unconscious out-of-body experience, or a conscious out-of-body experience, excuse me. And so some of these steps, the three basic steps are physical relaxation, silencing the mind, and whatever projection technique that you have. So I will look at these um, steps in detail and I'll have it in the three steps and I'll call them stage one, two, and three. So stage one is physical relaxation. Physical relaxation is the foundation on which your success is based. So without being able to properly relax your body, it's going to be impossible to make a conscious exit and your goal should be get to get to a stage where you're not even aware that you have a physical body. And there are many different types of relaxation techniques. Um, selecting a relaxation technique is similar to choosing a type of exercise to do. Select one that you enjoy and that you will stick with and be consistent with over time. And the most commonly used relaxation techniques are progressive relaxation and deep breathing. And um, the progressive relaxation is like where you would start from the feet and focus on each muscle for a few, moment, few moments to relax them and then mentally relax that part and move upwards and repeated for all the muscle groups. And you can also start at the head and work down. If you look up progressive relaxation meditations, you should find plenty. And the second one is deep breathing. And this is a popular method for complete body relaxation. And that's a great way to relax the body and get everything into sync. So relaxation breathing is an important part of yoga and martial arts for this reason. And again, you can look up deep breathing exercises to um, aid in that. So stage two is silencing the mind. And obviously hundreds of thoughts 
run through our heads every minute. This internal dialogue is like a constantly chattering monkey. We generally don't notice these thoughts on our day-to-day basis or only when we meditate and we take up the task of silencing our mind. Um, When we take up the task of silencing our mind, we become aware of how difficult it is to free ourselves from these thoughts. And when you want to relax and quiet the mind, say for astral projection, these thoughts and images become annoying and may hinder the mind taming process or even just the unwavering focus that you need to have. And your goal is to be an observer of the internal world. Any thoughts or feelings that arise are simply observed rather than analyzed and described. So don't worry about anything. Just see things as like coming and going. And if sensations occur, they are merely registered as occurring rather than, you know, don't pay them mind or energy. Just kind of acknowledge them. A way by doing this is simply focusing on the blackness of the closed eyes. Another way is to focus on the breath. Um, Some people choose mantras or simply count from 1 to 10 repeatedly. Um, A regular practice with various techniques will help you achieve what you need to achieve, and it may be different for everyone. So try everything. Then stage three. This is like where you pick your technique. There are a lot of them, and I'm covering just some of the ones that I found people were most successful with. So once the body is relaxed and the mind is silenced, we have to pick an exit technique that will trigger astral projection. Um, There are a lot, like I said, but this is also due to the existence of all the personalities, physical constitution, and human characters there are out there. Just there's something for everyone. And um, these techniques are based on one or several, several attributes of yourself, such as imagination, your ability to visualize and concentrate. So sometimes it's better to even combine several different methods to leave the body, adapting them to your character, circumstances, mental concentration, etc. So you must check with self-criticism, which is your best attribute, or the most versatile in order to use it as a basic tool. Since there are no universal methods that would work for everyone to attain this projection, we will kind of cover everything, all the different techniques. And it's convenient for you to know several just so then um, when you, you, you'll just have a greater chance of finding the one that will make you efficient in projection. So whatever technique you choose, you're likely to get a result on, you know, you may not get a result in the first time you try it. It may, it might take a few tries um, or just like a few techniques to rotate through. So it is something that you have to practice and just pick whatever appeals most to you and work on it for a week or two and just go from there. So I'll get into the different techniques now. The first one is the one that I've heard about the most and it is the rope technique. So a key ingredient to this projection is an invisible imaginary rope hanging from your ceiling. This rope will be used to exert dynamic pressure at a single point on your astral body to force a separation from the physical. So the action of pulling yourself hand over hand up on a rope is a strong one-pointed natural action that is easy easy to imagine yourself doing. So the rope technique concentrates all your mental resources into one strong dynamic action, which exerts a high level of pressure directly on a single point on the astral body. So pin a length of a ribbon, string, or rope 
to the ceiling above you, having it hanging within arm's reach so that you can easily reach up and touch it and physically reach out and touch it frequently. So like actually hang a rope or something from your ceiling um, until your mind gets used to its position and it could be a ribbon as well. And this is only a tactile aid. So by being able to reach out and touch the ribbon, you get used to the spatial coordinates of where the invisible imaginary rope is. And this grows both in your mind and hence as a thought form, making it easier to imagine yourself reaching out and climbing it with your imaginary hands. And just a note, you don't have to actually visualize or see the rope at any time. Just know where it is and where it's supposed to be. Because I know some people cannot visualize and this method uses no visualization and reaching out and pulling on this invisible rope with your imaginary hands shifts the body's awareness, um, inducing a point of consciousness out of the body with a strong natural action um, to kind of, you know, get you out, get you out of there. So this is a complete projection method in itself. If you have good powers of concentration, this um, is a good one to have beginners do and solely concentrate on this method until you have more experience. This will give you a normal astral projection. Um, Do the relaxation exercise thoroughly until you're settled and it should only take a few minutes so don't overdo it. Reach out with your imaginary hands and pull yourself hand over hand up the strong rope, the invisible rope, and try to imagine the feeling of a strong thick rope in your hands and You don't have to try to visualize the actual rope. I want you to imagine you're reaching out and climbing this in the pitch dark so that you can't see it all. You just know where it is and imagine the feeling of it. So visualization wastes valuable mental energy sometimes and it can be better to put this into exerting direct pressure on your astral body and some people can't visualize. So you will feel a slight dizzy sensation inside of you as you do this, specifically in your upper torso And this is caused by exerting that pressure on the astral body. And um, this is like the body loosening from the physical body. And this feeling of vertigo will intensify the more you pull on the rope. And a very important note is this dizzy feeling and any feelings of pressure or vertigo is caused by your mental action um, of pulling the rope must be carefully noted by you. Learn the exact mental action you're doing to cause this vertigo. And you'll have to train your mental climbing action or you'll have to train your mental climbing action to cause this feeling. So the first few times you try this method, concentrate on finding the right mental action to do this. And once you learn what that is and what you're doing to cause this, you can recreate it at will and you're really starting to get somewhere. And also ignore all sensation that you feel during projection or it will distract you. It'll break your concentration and kind of like ruin your chances of projection. So concentrate on the single act of climbing the rope into the total and like exclude everything else. Put everything you have into that one action of climbing the rope. Don't tense up. It must be all mental so your body stays relaxed. And then you'll keep climbing hand over hand upwards and you will feel the heavy sensation come over you. The pressure you're exerting um, will force you into a trance state and ignore when this happens and concentrate on what you're doing. Keep climbing and you'll feel your chakras open or just energy centers open in response to the pressure, but don't stop. You will feel the vibration start, which I'll talk about later, and your whole body will seem to be vibrating and you'll feel paralyzed. So concentrate single-mindedly on climbing the rope. Do not stop. You will feel um, yourself coming free of your body 
and you will buzz a little bit as you enter those higher frequencies and you'll eventually exit your body in the direction of your imaginary rope and you will be hovering over your body and you have projected. But don't break concentration. The second one is to watch yourself while going to sleep. So lie down comfortably on your back facing the ceiling, dim the lights and relax using the technique the techniques we talked about earlier, and then clear your unwanted thoughts, let yourself go limp, relax completely, completely relax, like, do the shit, and tell yourself that you're going to watch yourself in the act of going to sleep. So you must be very clear about your con- your intent, and you're going to let your body sleep while your mind will remain alert throughout the entire process. Tell yourself that you retain consciousness even while in your body is going into a complete trance. And as you relax completely, you must learn to recognize the strange, distinctive sensations you feel as your body moves into the sleep state. And you must, again, stay aware as this unfolds. At a certain point, you'll realize that you're in a hypnagogic state, the state between waking and sleeping. This is like where sleep paralysis occurs that I talked about in the last episode for the millionth time. I'm referencing the last episode, so fucking listen to it if you haven't. Because damn, it doesn't make sense without this. (laughs) So, um... After that, you'll feel that your body is feeling heavy and numb and you're on the right track. So pay close attention to all your bodily sensations. Do y'all hear that fucking crow outside my window? Anyways, um, stay aware. Um, pay close attention of to all the body sensations. You might feel yourself swaying or floating or pulsing. I find myself pulsating if I'm like, um, you know, getting into a trance state. So you might find certain parts of your body tingling or like phantom itches and stuff you know it's like your body checking if you're asleep or not and there might be vibrations running through your head um you know or like through your body and you might even hear a strong buzzing sensation in your ears whatever the sensations don't panic these are good signals that you're on the verge of having um, a projection so you then have to visualize that you're rising up from your bed and floating towards the ceiling and how imagine how it would feel if you would actually float Try to make the experience as real as possible and hold this feeling for as long as you can. And if everything goes well, you might suddenly find yourself outside of the body floating near the ceiling. And if you have trouble visualizing yourself rising up, some other suggestions are to imagine flying in an airplane or a balloon that is taking you higher and higher. Um, A boat, you know, swaying down a river and you're laying in the boat relaxing. Imagine yourself being carried away by a cloud, an elevator, a leaf that's being carried away by the wind, sliding down or up an escalator, um, those might make it easier to give you the floating sensation. That is going to be very crucial in that technique. The next technique is called the Monroe Technique, and this has to do with Robert Monroe, who was a radio broadcasting executive who became known for his research into altered consciousness He founded the Monroe Institute, and um, he had a book that he wrote in 1971 called Journeys Out of the Body, and he is credited with popularizing the term out-of-body experience. So um, he also developed the hemi-sync with the CIA and shit, so he has like his own method, I guess. So the first step for him is to obviously relax the body. Same thing as we mentioned earlier, relaxing the body and then enter the state bordering sleep 
which is, like I mentioned in the last one, the hypnagogic state, and he doesn't recommend any method of doing this. Just one way is to hold your forearm up while keeping your upper upper arm on the bed. As you start to fall asleep, your arm will fall and you'll awaken again, and with practice, you can learn to control the state without using your arm, and another method is to concentrate on an object. When other images start to enter your thoughts, you have entered the hypnagogic state. So passively watch these images and this will help you maintain this near state of sleep. And he calls this condition A. And the next step is to deepen condition A. So begin to clear your mind, observe your field of vision through your closed eyes. Do the nothing for a little bit. Um, Simply look through your closed eyelids at the blackness and after a while you might notice light patterns. These are simply neural discharges. They have no specific effect, so you can just ignore them. When the lights, when those patterns cease, you have entered what Monroe calls condition B. So from here, you must enter even a deeper state of relaxation, which he calls condition C. So a state of such relaxation that you lose all awareness of the body and sensory stimula- stimulation. This is like where, what I reach when I meditate. And you're almost in a void of which your only source of simulation will be your own thoughts. And the ideal state for leaving your body is condition D. This is condition C when it is voluntarily induced from a rested and refreshed condition. And it is not the effect of normal fatigue. So to achieve condition D, Monroe suggests that you practice entering it in the morning or after a nap. And the next step is to enter a state of vibration and this is the most important part of the technique and also the most vague. So many projectors have noted these vibrations at the onset of projection which I'll talk about in a little while and they can be experienced as mild tingling or as electricity is being shot through the body. This the, the cause for this is a mystery but it may actually be the astral body trying to leave the physical one. For entering into the vibrational state, he offers these directions. One, remove all jewelry or other items that might be touching your skin. Two, darken the room so that no light is seen through your eyelids, but do not shut out all light. Three, lie down with your body along a north-south axis, so your head pointed toward magnetic north. Four, loosen all clothing, but keep covered so that you're a little bit warmer than you might normally be comfortable. Be sure... Five, be sure that you're in a location where and at a time when there will be no noise to disturb you. Six, enter the state of relaxation. Seven, give yourself a mental suggestion that you will remember all, you know, like an affirmation that you'll remember everything and repeat it five times. Eight, proceed to breathe through your nose or through your half-open mouth. So nine, as you breathe, concentrate on the void in front of you. Ten, Select a point a foot away from your forehead, then change your mental point of reference to six feet. And 11, turn the point 90 degrees upward by drawing an imaginary line parallel to your body axis and above your head. Focus there and reach out for the vibrations at that point and bring them back to your body. Even if you don't know what these vibrations are, you will know when you've achieved contact with them. And... Then the next step after those 11 steps is to learn to control the vibrational state. So learning to control the vibrational state and you can practice controlling them by mentally pushing them into your head, down to your toes, making them kind of surge throughout your body and producing vibrational waves from head to foot. 
And you'll practice this until you can induce these waves on command. And once you have control of the vibrational state, you are ready to leave the body. And he recommends in the next step to begin with a partial separation. And the key thought here is control or thought control. So keep your mind very focused on the idea of leaving the body and don't let it stray from it. A stray thought might cause you to lose control of this state. So now having entered the vibrational state, begin exploring the out-of-body experience by releasing a hand or a foot of the second body. And he, Monroe, suggests that you extend a limb until it comes in contact with a familiar object, such as a wall near your bed um, or something that you can just physically touch within your room. So after toying with like that practice of like touching things in your room, um, that exercise prepares you for full separation. So the next step would be dissociating yourself from the body. And Monroe suggests two methods for this. One method is to lift out of the body. And to do this, think about getting lighter and lighter after entering the vibrational state and think about how nice it would be to flow upwards, similar to the last method, and keep this thought in mind at all costs and let no extraneous thoughts interrupt it. And OBE will occur naturally at that point. Another method is the rotation method or the rollout technique. And when you have achieved the vibrational state, try to roll over imaginarily as if you were turning over in bed and do not attempt to do it physically. Try to twist your body from the top and virtually roll over into your second body right out of the physical self. At this point, then you would be out of body and you would want to think about floating upwards and you should find yourself floating above the body. And Monroe suggests that you begin with the lift out method, but argues that both are equally as effective as the other. The next method is the hypnopompic state method, and this is a that is the stage of half sleeping, half waking that we pass through as we awaken, and it is ideal for projecting your consciousness from the body. So we can start at the beginning. As you feel yourself coming out of sleep, do not move your physical body and keep the eyes shut. The, in this state of half sleep, you want to do nothing but relax. If you feel yourself coming out of this trance condition, deepen it by imagining yourself walking down a flight of stairs while simultaneously to maintain maintain consciousness, you stare at a fixed point in front of your eyes. Don't deepen it too much that you fall back asleep. The goal is to maintain a condition of pure relaxation, but keeping your consciousness steady or your mind awake. So once you deepen this state, you may or may not have the ability to see through your eyelids. You may hear voices or your body physically snoring, and you might be aware that you are in a state of drowsiness, and in any case, you are in the correct mode for an OBE. So when you have determined that you are in this hypnopompic state and have managed to hold that position steadily, simply give the command to leave your body in the manner you feel most comfortable. A good method is the roll-out method that I previously mentioned However, it is a good idea not to have objects in your path if you do this, such as like a desk or a light or a wall. It is true that under most conditions, the astral body can easily pass through objects, but despite knowing this, if you still harbor fears of rolling into or knocking your head against an object, then complete separation won't be accomplished. Or if you or if you would rather um, imagine yourself floating upwards, just like the last one, 
whichever you're comfortable with, just like the last method. The best one is the one that works best for you. There is no best one. It's going to be different for everyone. And if you want to, you can look back at your physical body, but the initial shock of seeing yourself is kind of like a um, near-death experience and will probably bring about re-entry into your physical body. And when attempting to project from this state, it's important that you don't try too hard. If you try too hard or become anxious, you will destroy your chance of having it happen. So take the position or attitude that you don't care a hoot whether or not you do project and just be nonchalant, you know, use it as observation. The next method is super straightforward and simple, but it works really well for some people. And this is called the red red spot method. And this method should be done several hours um, after several hours of sleep. So at, again, in this hypnopompic state, as you begin to awaken, keep your eyes closed, keep the body still and don't move your limbs. The ideal is, is to basically fall asleep again. But with this time the particular goal is firmly planted in your mind as you drift into sleep and so as you fall asleep imagine that there is a big red spot on the floor near your bed and that you are sitting on that big red spot so just imagine that a pinpoint of consciousness that is you is on the floor next to your bed so that keep this idea firmly rooted as you fall asleep if everything goes on well, the next thing you'll be aware of is that your astral body has fallen onto the floor and this actually brightens or awakens your consciousness and you find yourself outside of your body in that red spot. Something else that can be really helpful are affirmations. So the idea behind affirmations is to repeatedly chant something to implant a suggestion into your subconscious. So before you fall asleep, if you chant one of the following affirmations or one that you make up yourself, you can kind of increase the chance of having a um, out-of-body experience or even a lucid dream. And you can say things like, I am going to have an out-of-body experience. I'm going to let myself drop, drop off to sleep, but I'm going to take my waking consciousness with me wherever I go. I am going to leave my body with full awareness or I will travel the astral plane tonight going as far from my physical body as so I choose and returning whenever I want with complete recollection of the experience. Another would be tonight I will travel out of body. I'm going to allow myself to fall asleep, but I will bring my waking consciousness with me wherever I go. Um, um, tonight I will travel out of body, just anything like that. Um, I will recall everything upon awaking is important. And once your subconscious is saturated with your affirmations, your chances of success will be really greatly enhanced and you will have um, more lucid dreams, hence more out-of-body experiences as well. So as I mentioned before, I'm going to talk about the pre-projection phenomena, like the vibrations and all that good stuff. There are a number of sensation and events that are common to people who attempt to project or, or have an OBE. And there are similarities between people's experiences. They are by no means definite to happen. Um, obviously, everyone's different, so everyone's going to have a different um, just experience. Some common sensations are the vibrations. While astral projection, there is one experience that can occur spontaneously for which you should be fully prepared. And having achieved the mind-awake body-asleep state, you might suddenly feel as if some or all of your body begins to vibrate very rapidly. And these vibrations are arguably the most well-known pre-projection phenomena. However, it is also probable that it's also the least understood. 
and these are a common experience, but some claim to have never experienced them. And that said, for those who do experience this, they can be used as a tool in achieving projection. Um, some say that these are caused by somatosensory hallucinations. Some accounts say it is because of the flow of energy through the energy points in the body, the chakras. And some feel that it is because the astral body is attempting to come out of the physical body. Whatever the cause is, it's generally held as one of the last experiences before projection. And because of this, a number of techniques suggest on focusing on these vibrations and attempting to intensify them. And these vibrations can steadily increase in intensity to the point where they can seem very dramatic. And they are not physical vibrations because nothing visibly moves. If you induce vibrations in your hands and touch someone else's hands, they won't feel it. And um, when you get these vibrations, the first thing to remember is to remain totally calm and relaxed and you're not in danger. They will often increase to the point that you'll feel like your body is under like electrocution and it's not painful, but um, just keep your cool and your consciousness is very close to leaving the physical body at this point and then you'll be free to project. And as you go deeper in your trance and are nearing separation, your vibrations will spread out over your entire body, sending sending them all over and um they're often accompanied by feelings of extreme shaking numbness um rushes of energy paralysis and like buzzing or humming or a roaring sound and some people are really startled by these sensations and sounds that they panic and break their concentration so just know that this is something to expect and take advantage of an opportunity to um you know be aware of this state Something else is sleep paralysis, and this is a common symptom that you might face during your practice, and it occurs to a lot of people, and this is, I mentioned it, I go over it in the last fucking episode, so just listen to it if you haven't, (laughs) and I explain that more of what that is, but that is something that you can also expect to possibly happen, and once you're in this state... It is unmistakable once you're in this state, you can't move or speak and you can only like open your eyes and you're in no danger and so you're still really close to um, the actual exit. So once you're in paralysis, you can still be out of the body without having to do too much and if you are 100% stone cone paralyzed, you're absolutely in the ideal state to exit So relax and begin taking some deep breaths and with each breath, imagine yourself kind of floating up again with that method and um, as you relax, your paralysis will become stronger and then you can get yourself out. Another thing is those buzzing noises or other sounds. So prior to leaving the body or during the actual separation, there is an assortment of noises that people have listed Um, The nature of these sounds may be linked to your own personality or associations, and they might get frightening. A lot of people describe buzzing, whooshing, rushing, roaring, like bird squawking, a chime being struck, knocking on wood, things like that. Um, Out of all of these, buzzing seems to be the most common pre-projection symptom and can intensify so much that you feel there's like helicopters or bees in your ears. So it's helpful to pay close attention to any unusual auditory signals, even if they're subtle. Many people routinely hear sounds but disregard them as dream-related or as unexplained physical phenomena, and recognizing these can help you um, recognize that you're on the right track. 
the next sensation that you can expect pre-projection um, is hypnagogic hallucinations. So this is defined as perceptions without an appropriate physical stimulus. And so this is like internally generated and um, they can also occur with sleep paralysis or uh, before or after sleep. And those before sleep are termed hypnagogic and hallucinations after waking are hypnopompic. So I've kind of covered both. But the hallucinations can range across all five senses, but are usually restricted to auditory and visual domains. Um, in terms of auditory hallucinations, they can be anything that you can hear in real life and sometimes more mild sounds like humming, buzzing to loud dramatic noises like screeching, whistling, roaring, um, like technological sounds like sirens, radios, typewriter, or natural sounds like wind, leaves rustling, footsteps, animal noises. I'm so sorry, you guys. Um, I hate, I don't know how to fucking turn that shit off. It's like Google Calendar does that. But um, voices also can be heard either saying specific things or just like babbling. Songs and music are also common. Um, then the visual hallucinations can also be like geometric patterns, pulsating colors, lights, or specific scenes of anything imaginable. Visions of paradise or visions of hell. The key thing to remember is that through all of these experiences, they are most likely caused by the overlap of dreaming and wake waking state. So for the most part, they bear no deeper significance and the greatest danger is of being surprised by the sounds or visions and breaking the concentration. Um, another thing that you may experience is seeing a presence and uh, most people have at some point in their lives felt a presence of someone um, or this can be seeing a presence or sensing a presence. So when there was obviously no one around, we may have in the past felt like someone was watching us or felt like someone was there. Um, it's a common phenomenon that isn't unique to pre-projection phenomena. However, sensing a presence usually occurs in association with sleep paralysis. So, um, they can be somehow related and the actual experience of sensing a presence ranges quite dramatically. Often the motives of the presidents are intuitively known and can be felt as good, neutral, or evil. Also, the actions of the presence are similarly known intuitively. The presence is most often described as either just being there or watching. And less common but still worth mentioning are descriptions of the presence moving around or interacting with the person. And this cause is largely a matter of faith. The biological interpretation suggests that the brain is essentially starting a dream and creating feelings, thoughts um, that would be associated with physical reality. So that can be something that you experience. Um, more metaphysical theories point to existence of spirit guides, ancestors, uh, benevolent entities, or just like general neutral spirits and entities. Um, so that can be something that's experienced. Something else that can be sensed before um, projecting is weight changes. So changing in the feeling of your weight can often occur quite suddenly. And there are roughly two stages that this occurs into. The first one, when you enter deep relaxation, and the second, when sleep process occurs. In both cases, the body can feel extremely heavy or extremely light. 
And um, usually through muscle relaxation, it's associated with the heaviness and the sleep paralysis gives lightness. And um, the weight can, like that, when you feel relaxed, can be like just feeling the actual weight of your body relaxing. Or um, because a lot of the muscles that you have usually hold up the body to relax and pressure and tension pressure and tension is felt as gravity pulls at the body um just like being in that truly relaxed state and something that I experienced when I went through sleep paralysis is like feeling a pressure on the chest like if something is sitting on you it's not a new sensation but simply an awareness of the weight of your body other things are changes in like your your perception of proportion uh, temperature, feeling movement, like the vertigo or feelings of falling. All of these are things that you just have to like kind of push through. Same with like rapid heart rate, changes in breathing, your eyes moving. Um, just a summary of all these things can be just hearing things, seeing things, anything that you can sense you can um, pretty much experience. So the next thing that I'm going to cover are what you need to do after so your post projection basics and um, one thing to be aware of is that you never carry your waking self 100% but only take a portion of it with you into the astral realm so your state of consciousness is a mixture of your waking consciousness and your dream consciousness therefore your consciousness is not 100% the same as it is when you wake And this creates very subtle changes in your reactions or emotional responses to what you experience in the out-of-body experience realm and how you behave there. So during your projections, you won't need to train your consciousness to be very focused and directed. um, Or you will need to train your consciousness to be very focused and directed. If you don't, your attention will be easily diverted to small directions, small distractions, during the experience and you will not do what you had planned so this single-mindedness also helps you to remember details of your experiences and the clarity of your consciousness won't always be the same sometimes it will be very strong and clear and you'll feel more awake and more aware than in normal life but sometimes the consciousness will feel very weak and you'll just lapse back into sleep so with practice and experience, you'll be, un- be able to understand and kind of like experience and learn to control it for your maximum benefit. Something else that is a post symptom or feeling is the duality. So when you're out of your body, the most commonly felt symptom is ascension, this sensation of duality of being aware of the physical body while also being aware of existing in the astral body at a different location. So dual consciousness is a highly paradoxical state and the person will simultaneously remain partially or totally aware of the physical body and surrounding environment. So the concept of duality has been testified by the enormous number of case histories available on OBEs and and even NDEs, near-death experiences, and this effect appears to indicate the existence of like a telepathic link between the physical body and the astral body, um, possibly via something that people call the silver cord, which I have actually experienced visually while I was on LSD. I was on about 
I think it was like five tabs at that time. Um, so like 500 micrograms. And I was walking about my hometown and um, at this point it was still kind of like dusk. So there were still people walking about and every person that I saw had like a silver or white light connecting them from like the top of their head up into like the beyond, <laughs> like just up. So the silver cord is a theory that I feel like I have personally experienced and you can look into it if you want to. Something else to be very aware of is the astral plane itself. So the astral plane is very real and sometimes even more solid and vibrant than the physical world. And obviously there's no need for money work or any other trappings of the physical experience. So it can be very addictive. So thoughts can actually be seen to shake or are said to be seen and take shape instantly and anything desired can be instantly kind of manifested by means of the powers of imagination so literally you're in your own dream world and um it can be anything that you you truly have true freedom here and there are um, divisions of the astral plane that you need to be aware of so it's divided into lower middle and higher and each division contains multiple divisions of varying vibratory rates so the lower astral planes are described as darker, more primal realms. Some have described them as a place of like Dante's Inferno, while others think of them as like purgatory. They are where the souls of the lost reside. Residing here are many beings, including people who are out of body, both consciously and subconsciously, people who are dreaming, the deceased, and even beings that never existed on the physical plane at all. And you can communicate with these people or these entities, but be careful, please. The next is the middle astral planes. And the middle astral planes are the realms of the divine inspiration, free of earthly desires and conflict. The beings in these dimensions cause many of the artistic and technical breakthroughs on earth by sending silent messages as ideas. And this is a place where many of us journey for guidance and healing these realms are frequently a reflection of the world we live in now. They contain the same vegetation, animals, and even our own structures that we created as humanity. And the middle astral is a plane of rainbows, vivid colors, exquisite beauty. It would be an impossible task to try and rationalize this place. It's full of thoughts, dreams, ideas, which are manifested as real objects. So everything, including inanimate objects, has an aura or energy emanating from them in vivid and bright colors. Time is very distorted and it's possible to see future or past events. So people who have successfully consciously projected to the middle astral planes have described unseen colors and sounds, landscapes and scenery, and some things beyond our comprehension or explanation. And this place is pure in its formation and the needs and strife associated with the physical world have kind of been left behind. Um, some people compare it to like the Garden of Eden. And last is the higher astral planes. And this is the the realms called heaven by the Christians. So to, I, the theory is, obviously, I don't know. But the um, this place is beyond the, beyond the comprehension of most people as they're said to be home of the Christian God, the Buddha, other great beings. So the higher astral planes are where we begin to teach forward self-godhood, becoming fully aware and acknowledging that all life is a symbiotic, is all life is symbiotic and connected for the good of all. 
um, we realize that each individual is an essential link in the chain of life and existence in the physical world affects all of the other realities that we do not perceive. This awareness often leads people into pantheism, um, the belief that all life is sacred and should be protected from the lowliest worm to the greatest killer. Um, in other instances, the traveler will not turn towards pantheism, but in another case, become truly aware of the fact that um, of this fact on a constant conscious level. So the middle and higher planes are where the true path to spiritual and physical healing lies. And this is where our perceptions of life grow and expand by leaps and bounds, freeing us from a lot of the stigmas of society. Um, and when we begin traveling through the astral realms, we generally enter the f into the lower planes where the physical world is still visible. Um, but we will eventually move into the middle planes where we notice the physical world becomes less and less noticeable and then eventually into the higher realms. The next thing to cover is going to be astral inhabitants. So there is all sorts of life forms here with varying levels of intelligence. Um, you can interact with them and some of these entities will be completely indifferent to your presence and some may be friendly and some uh, hostile, but these entities can cause you no harm. So we will kind of cover all of these. First is humans. So there are the sleepers, the conscious tra astral travelers, and dead people. So you can interact with all these people. Some may know that they're astral traveling. Some may be just simply asleep and traveling. Sorry again. Um, and then dead people, they may know that they're dead. They may not, but you can interact with these people. They are just people who have moved from the physical plane. Uh, Non-humans would be like fairies and nature spirits. Um, astral bodies of animals, angels, or other celestial beings. Those will be more so at like the higher levels. And then demons or just like negative entities could be at lower levels. And um, the last one that I don't have examples for is just like artificial entities or like thought forms. So like things that don't necessarily fall into either of those categories. So when you are experiencing, I've, I think that it's a lot easier to, um, you know, kind of interact with someone who is like an astral traveler or someone that's human because we can um, kind of discern, you know, but I will cover kind of what to be aware of when in interacting with non-human. Um, so there obviously exists entities that were never human, never will be, and they belong to entirely different order of nature. And so the first one that I mentioned was like fairies and nature spirits. So some of the nature spirits inhabit streams, you know, rocks, mountains, forests, all of that. The folklore of nations believes in them. And um, this is like in Celtic or, you know, Native American. So their occasional appearance to people um, has given rise to the numerous tales and legends. So the, this class of astral entities avoids the presence of man and offers to just be indifferent. And there are nature spirits who like to help people, while there are others who find delight in playing pranks, like fae, the fae people. And they're not hostile necessarily, just kind of like shitheads. 
So obviously I mentioned the astral bodies of animals and you might just bump into them. They do not I feel like if we're mammals and we can astral project, then other mammals obviously can as well and other um, intelligent animals. So I think that's really likely to see that. And you angels, you'll mainly find them in the higher realms and they're there to guide you and protect you. And remember, angels don't necessarily look how we think they do. They may present themselves to us in the way that we're comfortable with, but they may not look up what a biblical angel looks like and kind of be comfortable with being able to see that. The other thing is obviously lower um, vibrational entities like demons and the likes of demons. So they're only found in the lowest regions of the lower astral in most cases. If you ever happen to be in the lower astral, you will not be able to stay there for long because your rate of vibration will be much higher and you'll be propelled into the higher realms. But if you do encounter these entities, just remember they do not have any power to hurt you. Just command them to go away and they will. Um, they get attracted to feeble souls and try to frighten them. If you're strong and know that nothing can harm you, you can continue with no problem. And then the artificial entities or elementals are astral matter, which can be formed into anything with the power of thought or emotion. The majority of these are um, unconsciously created by people who manifest strong desire and um, be careful of what your thoughts are during your projections for this reason. If you meet anything like this, you will find that they don't have um, their own volition and may not respond to you. They might take ghastly form and try to scare you, but they can't harm you. Um, you can make them disappear. The very thought of meeting other people in the astral realm might be creepy, but um, always be ready to face the unknown. And to get more information on the inhabitants, I would recommend the book Astral Plane, Its Scenery, Inhabitants, and Phenomena by um, C.W. Leadbeater. Um, obviously, you can literally do anything that you want in the astral realm. And um, a lot of things to be concerned with is, uh, you know, how you move about. And so there are different flying techniques and you can fly like Superman. You can um, kind of like swim through the landscape, um, flapping, you know, slightly clumsy way to do it, but you can <laughs> do that. Um, rocket propulsion. So kind of like standing erect with your arms to your side and going off like a rocket. And um, yeah, there's lots of different ways you can travel any way you want. Just experiment. And the way to kind of control that is practice. It says that once you're flying around, you'll realize that you can travel at any speed from casual walking to like beyond the speed of light. So the, dif the difficult part is to control the speed and the momentum and, you know, slowing yourself down. So that just takes practice. Whatever your speed, just stay calm. And if you ever find yourself in like outer space or an unfamiliar location, you can always return to your physical body by just strongly thinking about doing so. So you can go off into space in even like you might want to visit the moon, Mars, any of the planets. And but before you venture into doing that, just learn how to control your speed. And you can communicate with the dead and just, you know... They may guide you through things that are plaguing you. I wouldn't suggest going there to specifically communicate with someone because it can be an unhealthy bond kind of thing. 
but you can also visit people that are alive. So when you're out of body, it's very possible to visit each other or if like two people are projecting at the same time. And so once you reach your destination, the person who you visited will not always be fully aware of your presence. Um, They will not be able to see someone on the astral realm if they're just chilling in the physical realm. So they may not respond or communicate with you, but if you're visiting someone who's like a medium or has psychic abilities, then um, if you want to, you could probably communicate with them. But to prove to yourself that you can actually visit a friend, you can try to write the following experiment. So you can ask a friend to draw a shape on a paper to color it and to place it somewhere where you can't physically see. For example, like the top of the cupboard and ask them to have the drawing face up and your job is to project to that person's house and attempt to observe the target as accurately as possible and you need to find out what shape has been on the paper and that way you can kind of like see if you're actually going there if you're imagining it to like prove it to yourself um you can literally try anything here i know something else you can do is astral sex (laughs) i don't want to get into that but that's a whole topic moving through walls you can learn things exercise psychic powers, um, tune into the Akashic records. That's a whole nother topic of its own. And then finally, when you want to get back, the final stage of your out-of-body experience is your return. And this is the easiest step because even if you don't want to, you will still return. There are a couple ways, obviously, an abrupt return and a controlled uh, return. So um, sometimes you'll be snapped back, but this can be for any apparent reason, but it's usually not very pleasant and might give you a mild headache. If you find you have a slight headache, it's just go go to sleep again for about five to ten minutes and let your um, self realign with your physical body. But many times you are in full control of your return. No matter where you are in the astral realm, just think about your physical body and imagine yourself already there. There will be a blur of speed or there might even be like an instantaneous shift from wherever you are to a spot three or four feet above your reclining body. And you will find you are there drifting, you know, slightly. Just allow yourself to sink down very slowly. Um, your thought of sinking will lower your astral body into your body until you're completely in alignment with your physical self. And once you have entered your body, keep your eyes shut for a few moments and recollect all the experiences that the astral body has just gone through. Then slowly open your eyes and wake up. And that was your fully conscious astral projection. And... I highly recommend with all of this to increase your dream recall. I have an episode about it. Um, Listen to it to kind of take that in. So I have a lot of tips on there and keeping a dream journal can also be super helpful. And um, just remembering things like that and, you know, be ethical. Don't do anything that you wouldn't want someone to do to you if you're visiting someone else. Um, Even just take care of yourself. Know when you're doing it too much. If you're feeling quite tired, you may not be getting very restful sleep. Um, But in conclusion of the whole episode, every society, every culture is overflowing with their version of the truth, obviously. But the journey of consciousness from the physical to the non-physical is a reality that we cannot escape. So the transformative qualities of OBEs are a reality that each of us can experience. 
all we need is an open mind and the proper guidance to access this potential. The ability to explore unseen areas of the universe is completely available to all of, all of us, but um, it is up to us to take the step from being a curious observer to becoming an active explorer. Like all the good things in life, it can be difficult to attain, but the weight and the effort makes it very worthwhile. Even more important than patience is um, to keep an open mind. Try what you feel comfortable with and accept the things that ring true to you. This will take you further than any book, you know, just the belief that you can do it. No spell will give you the peace of mind created by knowing your own beliefs and being willing to expand them. As with most, most abilities, regular and dedicated practice makes perfect. It's not good enough to simply practice for just a few minutes or a few nights and give up. If there's no success, like most things, it will come to those who persevere. So, therefore, before embarking on these important objectives, take time to make a full intellectual and emotional commitment together with the resolve to succeed. The profound benefits for those who do so will more than justify such commitment and resolve and the experiences will become increasingly more frequent and profound as you continue to practice. So um, I hope that this ep episode has been helpful for some of you. Um, I don't know what else to say. There are some things that I mentioned that might just leave you to your own um, research things I just didn't feel like covering. This has already been the longest episode, and for some reason, um, Anchor is only letting me <laughs> record in five-minute sections, so if I was speaking kind of fast, it was because I was trying to get, like, a certain section within that five minutes, but um, overall, I'm really happy with this episode. I know a lot of you have been waiting for this, and thank you so much for being patient, and again, thank you so much for all of your support, and everyone who tunes into this, everyone new, everyone old, everyone in between. I love you all. I'm so, so grateful for all of you and happy astral traveling.